0: Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Getting There, eSchool News conversations with tech directors talking about their response to the pandemic uh, and anything else they want to talk about. <laughs> uh, my name is Kevin Hogan. I am the editor-at-large for eSchool News, uh, and I have the pleasure of being here. James, I uh, would love for you to introduce yourself and your district. your district.
1: Sure, so my name is James O'Hagan. I'm the Director of Digital and Virtual Learning for the Racine Unified School District, and that job entails not just our virtual learning program, but also uh, our library services, and as well as our eSports. So my department is, is it's almost like the Midwest junk drawer in some ways where we have, but we have a lot of cool stuff in our junk drawer. So we we, we catch a lot of things, but again, a lot of the cool things uh, in my department. So um, it's been uh, obviously an interesting start to our school year, but what's great is that for some of my students who have already been involved with virtual learning and asynchronous learning for quite a while, this to them is nothing new. They stepped into this and they're like, nothing has changed for them. Uh, For some of the families who are just stepping into this right now, Uh, even today I was out delivering some equipment to some families Uh, it's been a little bit different but our our mission is to make virtual personal and so it is uh, you know it's those personal touches rather than saying hey come to the building it's we make deliveries to the families and that way we get to know the families where they live and and I I find out too that some of these people actually live in my own neighborhood yes which is also kind of cool as well
0: that's great and so you're in, in in the greater Milwaukee area is that right
1: yeah. Right between we, uh, Racine is settled right between Milwaukee and Chicago, okay. right along Lake Michigan. We're just North of Kenosha. Uh, then Kenosha is our sister city to the South about 10 minutes. Oh,
0: wow. All right. So you've had, have had other, uh, issues this year as well. Right?
1: Yeah. It, well, and, and, you know, the, uh, the area between again, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, um, has had a lot of, of issues as far as racial injustice. Um, One of the lesser known cases, I know that everybody knows Jacob Blake, but uh, Tyrese West was a a child who was uh, shot and killed by Mount Pleasant police. And that, um, for whatever reason, and there's no camera, there's no footage, but it's one of those issues, too, that before Black Lives Matter really took off this year, it was a very hot topic case here in, in, in around the Racine area. So yeah, we're, wow. we're, we're well, we're well intentioned and well, and well versed in a lot of, uh, of the issues that we're, we're seeing firsthand.
0: Yeah. 2020 really is going to be one, one for the books, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, well talk a little bit about, uh, and I know your districts uh, a bit from covering it in the past, you are pretty progressive when it comes to the use of technology and integrating. And as you mentioned um, for a lot of your, your, your folks, I guess, especially on the esports sports side, um, this sort of dynamic, this sort of interaction well, that, that we're having oh, right here. Is, oh, do you hear me?
1: You, you froze for a second. Yeah. Okay. You froze for just a second. Sorry.
0: That's okay. Uh, so I was, uh, what I was saying was that as a progressive district, as you mentioned mm. before, uh, some of these dynamics that we're, that we're, de- we're doing right now is mm-hmm. something that, uh, you folks are really comfortable with. Talk a little bit, are you guys hybrid? Or are you completely remote? Is it, it you know in person? What's the mix for you guys?
1: So right now, we took the approach of going remote to start the year with a reevaluation come October. And the reason why we didn't do this like on a couple of weeks basis or anything is that we know that a lot of people in our community who rely on uh, daycare services sometimes get a lot of government assistance to pay for those services. And they usually have to pay for it a month in advance. So we want to make sure that we're giving families who may be paying for daycare right now, um, we give them an opportunity also to know that when school is going to start, not on a knee-jerk moment's notice, but giving them a good amount so they're not losing out on potentially, you know, hundreds of dollars. Sure. Um, for for daycare that they don't need to spend. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, great. Well, so that, that's a, that's a great background. I, I appreciate that. But the real reason I wanted to get you on the horn um, this week is because of I've been following a lot of your work when it comes to, uh, to eSports. Uh, mm-hmm. you've, done a, you've done a great job online and through LinkedIn and following this in a previous life, say 12 months ago, <laughs> e-school, eSports was kind of at the top of the list when it came to phenomenon that were happening uh, in the world of ed tech. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some things have kind of superseded that when it comes to, for, for many districts, just kind of staying afloat and, and keeping connected. But it seems to me that that um, you are still going strong when it comes to esports. Talk a little bit about your history with esports before the pandemic, and then maybe mm-hmm. we can get into a little bit about how that has changed as a result of COVID-19.
1: Well. Esports, f- for me, before the pandemic, uh, was very focused. While it was focused on some very, we'll, we'll say, AAA titles, games that are very well known on the esports scene, such as Rocket League, League of Legends, Overwatch, and Smash Brothers, um, we still try to keep it more than just the games. We were very focused on the other aspects of esports that that make it so important and valuable, I believe, for schools. We know that we wanna make sure that we, we diversify opportunities for student participation. We wanna give kids every opportunity to participate in something in school, because we know that when we do, attendance rates goes up, GPA increases, those kind of things. But we also wanted to make sure that we started to look at how we could redefine what athletic culture even starts to look like in our country. Um, as 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 people have seen, athletic culture in the past has been very much about uh, your abilities to do certain things, to be able to perform at a certain level. Um, that doesn't make anybody any less competitive if they are not able to physically lift or move fast or anything of that nature. So we want to make sure that we're giving kids an opportunity to see that athletics isn't just about the strongest and the fastest, but also, you know, intelligence and and perseverance and, and willingness to work uh, also uh, takes takes part in that. But we also, also wanted to make sure that we are including not just our able-bodied people, but also people who maybe are differently abled, um, also including people who are uh, female or non-binary, uh, non-identifying right now. And so we want to make sure that we're including all those kids as well, too. So athletic culture has been very gender-focused and ability-focused. And we want to change that. We also want to promote good mental and physical health. It's Esports. People look at video games and they go, "Well, how the heck do you do that through video games and esports?" Right. Well, it, it really is a thought process because uh, number one, in the community that in which I live, we have a mental health crisis, and we knew through research that two ways that you push against uh, two ways that you push against a mental health crisis. Number one is through a positive adult interaction, which we want to provide, and the second one is through play. And we know that this is the space where kids right now are choosing by and large ubiquitously, no matter socioeconomics or or demographics or anything, this is where they're choosing to play. So we want to leverage the opportunities in this space to, again, help with our mental health crisis, to push against the things that we see in our community. And also, we want to promote good, uh, good wellness because we know that uh, for kids, when we talk about you know eating right and getting your sleep, for a lot of them it goes in one ear and out the other. But when you put it through the lens of esports, rather than gamifying uh, sleep and you know good eating habits, we say let's take the thing that kids are already loving to do and let's. Let's say, hey, through this lens, take a look at this now. Let's talk about sleep. And you don't have to gamify at that point because now you're taking something that they already intrinsically love to do and leveraging that intrinsic motivation in new ways. But we also know that we want to uh, increase career and collegiate scholarship pathways through eSports. And the last thing we want to do, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, is we want to honor the importance of play. Uh, We in schools, since No Child Left Behind hit in 2001, we have not done a good job of honoring the importance of play we, 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 across all levels. It isn't just elementary, but it's all the way through. And even adults, you know, we need opportunities to play as well, too. So we're making sure that we do that. And, and pre-COVID, our program really focused in on these things. And post-COVID, our program still focuses in on <laughs> things, but with some changes and some tweaks that, we, that we're looking at now
0: we'll dive into those I you know I, when you were when you were speaking there and you're mentioning kind of the social and emotional behaviors um, that can be uh, helped and assistance through the use of play a lot of those and you were talking about the mental health crisis and I'm assuming you were speaking about that even pre-COVID right mm-hmm oh and um, we're
1: seeing we were looking at our adult population is approximately 60% wow. have had at least one adverse childhood experience which Chances are they're probably passing it on to their children in some shit way shape or form
0: yeah, yeah, and so that could only have been exaggerated now because we are all suffering this mass trauma that's that's going on, which mm-hmm. ha- also has resulted in a number number of things, including um, more time spent online staring mm-hmm. at staring at a screen, uh more time uh, for students to have been in isolation and a- away from friends right. Uh, so talk a little bit about how you've had to pivot with that to maybe even enlarge a program to where there might have been kids who were on the football team who didn't have any time for, for e-sports who have now suddenly discovered it.
1: Well, it, what's happening right now is that you're correct. Our fall athletics have been pushed off to the spring. And so uh in fact ironically one of our football coaches is one of our esports general managers as well that we have so it was kind of a it's a kind of a nice thing to have to have that that person um in one of our roles here with esports because there seems to be this really big disconnect between athletics and esports and uh, you can't call them athletes and, and to me it's i call them scholar gamers but uh what we have found is that what we're using this time because we can't meet physically in our in our in our spaces is that we're looking at this from less of a serious, hardcore esports competitive lens. And we're looking at it more from the lens of, how do we right now, again, focus on pushing against this mental health crisis? And a lot of that is through uh, quick competitions. Not necessarily that anything that's gonna take several weeks or months to run, but looking at, hey, this school wants to have a game night on a Friday night, how can we support that? What games can we talk about? Hey, we know that our kids in our community have very limited access in some cases to internet, quality internet service at home. They may not have a console or a PC at home. What can we do with their cell phones? What games can we promote and use with, our cell, with their cell phones? What can we do to, for those kids who don't have anything? Right. Uh, looking at things like you know, asynchronous play. So rather than saying, hey, we have to have a one-on-one competition, let's look at using something like Minecraft and saying let's do competitive building competitions where it's like, here's the scenario, now go and build it and share it with the group. Um, Those are the things that we're really looking at right now and how we can change the landscape of esports. I've spoken in the past about if you focus on the games, if you focus on the game, how you're gonna play the games, like, oh, what league are we gonna be a part of? Right now, this this moment is a struggle for those who have been focused on games and gameplay. For us, again, we know what our pillars of our program are. We know the five things that we're really focused on. It's very easy for us to pivot and say, well, let's now bring in all these other things. And now that I've got, I have 10, 11, 11 dedicated staff, and we do pay our staff for eSports. I know that that's not the norm right now, but we've done a really good job of growing our program. That I've got these people who say, I, I'm willing to make this game happen, and I'll make this game happen. It, it takes a lot of the pressure off me. And again, now we can start to invite in those kids who do have other interests, but maybe can't access those interests right now. In fact, after our interview right here, I have a meeting with uh, all my general managers and it's, like I said, it's, it's a great group. And here's the important thing too about our group of general managers is that we're a very diverse group, uh, male and female, different races. So it's important for the kids also to see themselves and the people who are, are doing this. And it isn't, not everybody, is a gamer which is the great thing about this too is they're looking at this from the perspective of of being the person who wants to just help support kids and they're going to do whatever they can to do it to, right. to help support these kids in these times right. so it takes so, caring
0: yeah were you able to um continue in the spring with esports programs even during the, the worst of the lockdowns and uh you know the the various crazy scenarios that districts had to deal with
1: yeah, it, it was hard. Um, we lost. I know. Basically, one of our our school teams basically went silent because of lack of inter- quality internet access in their home, lack of devices. Uh, we were able to participate though. In July, we did come around and we did do our spring finals that we had that we were had scheduled. When COVID hit, we were only about two or three weeks two or three weeks away from the state finals for the spring. And so we were able to do that. And what was great was um, one of our students, one of our scholar gamers did not have a computer at home that he could play uh, League of Legends with. I called up our local public library because I know that they have uh, gaming laptops because they purposely bought those. I said, I'd like to check out a gaming laptop. And they're like, absolutely. So we we were able to get him a device that he could use for competition.
0: Okay, that's cool. That's cool. All all these various kind of, Innovative ways that all it took was a global pandemic to figure out how to get these devices to kids and kind of work on that that digital digital uh, equity piece of this puzzle.
1: Well, and it, and the conversation has become much richer, I guess you could say as well as far as equity goes. Um, I, I think what's happened because of the pandemic is a lot of us have been smacked between the eyes on what that what that really means. What that lack of access or a lack of a device really means, and I I know that um, that you know esports is important, but I do ha- believe that there are some people who have been and it's not me who have been saying that well esports is covid proof and and I would say e- esports is more covid resistant, but I think proof is a bit presumptuous, especially that we are looking at coming up not this year, but next year with states that may have shortfalls in their state uh, tax revenues based off of, you know, lack of sales tax or whatever, that there could be some cuts coming. And for some schools right now who are, who maybe have just launched an esports arena or may have a program, now is the time to really show just how important this really is. How can you connect in Kids in new ways, and not just rely on the traditional ways that we've tried to operate esports. But really looking at how can we broaden the tent to bring in more kids to to make sure that uh, again schools and school districts see the value and the importance of this. And we have to be we have to be very uh, particular and protective of this. Um, it can't be a situation too where it's willy nilly and a free for all because also some you know there's people in, in school districts who are not steeped in esports or or maybe are looking at video games as still a waste of time and we need to make sure that they're educated on that as well too that this isn't a waste of time that these are the ways that we are helping kids to socialize in this very difficult moment
0: yeah have you noticed a cultural shift at all i mean not specifically in your district but in your work in the wider esports world to where there may, may have been an element of skepticism uh, pre- previous to where now, uh, more people are appreciating the values that you, that you talked about at the beginning?
1: What I used to get was a lot of, when I say esports, I'd hear some people say, what's that? Mm. And now the, what I'm hearing more of when I say esports is tell me about that. So they've heard it. Which is good, but they, but they, but by and large, I don't think a lot of school boards or district leaders still completely understand what they're what they're getting into, and that's really important as well too, is to get educated on this topic because it is such a powerful learning tool. And and the reason why it is so powerful, I'm a I'm a huge proponent of the ideas of self determination theory. Uh, it's actually part of my dissertation work, and so self determination theory is all about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, and I get really I won't say mad, but when pe- when I hear people say, "Well, let's gamify esports," it's like, ho- "Hold on, no gamification is what you do." It's the chocolate colored, it's the chocolate covered broccoli, as my friend Kevin Brown <laughs> likes to call it. Okay, it's the th- yeah. it's the it's a it's the tool that you use when you got kids who don't want to do what you need them to do. Yeah, esports by itself is intrinsically motivated. It is something that we can use as a vehicle to open up the. This whole new world of whether it's STEM education, CTE, or it, it doesn't even have to be STEM related. There's a lot of different roles that that kids can have as part of an e- a quality eSports program that doesn't even require them to play any video games. I'm a terrible video game player. My kids will tell you I am awful. And I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up in the <laughs> arcades. Um, but again, I'm a terrible gamer. But if you gave me my full, like, what do you, what is it you want to do? I would love to be a shoutcaster full time. Like, that would be... To do broadcasting, to talk like I'm talking right now, to sit here and call action, and in fact, NASAf right now uh, in the next couple of weeks is starting a whole online program for kids, free of charge, just on the art of shoutcasting, which I think is such the coolest thing that's coming up here. Um, again, well, I'll, have gives- inter-
0: I'll have to interrupt you so if you can oh. give our, our give our crowd. Uh, the definition of what a shoutcaster is.
1: Oh, sorry, yes. Well, for two things. So, a shoutcaster is the person who is like the announcer of a esports event. So, they're they're the broadcaster. They're the Al Michaels or the um, you know, uh, John Stockton's or the John Madden's of of the broad, of esports broadcast. Um, and I did say NACEF and people are probably going what the heck is that? NASEF is the North America Scholastic Esports Federation. completely nonprofit everything they do is completely free it's the one place that I tell people to go first like hey if you have already listened to my podcast of course uh, the Academy of eSports now check out NASEF because they've got a lot of free materials and a lot of things to help if if you're curious or interested in learning more about this that's a great place to start
0: that's great they're great thank you because no the phenomenon goes beyond just the kids playing against each other I mean we have Mm -hmm. we have a a a scenario here where there are thousands if not tens, hundreds of thousands of people who are watching the kids play online, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's an industry that is being created alongside this this other purely kind of academic exercise.
1: And it's important that educators be in this space because as this industry is growing, as there's dollar signs starting to pop up, One of my biggest fears is that, you know, 14, 15 year old who gets approached by somebody online and says, Hey, uh, you know, come play video games for me. I'll give you $30,000 a year or $40,000 a year to a 14, 15 year old or a family that's of needs, needs the cash. That sounds like it's really good. But, you know, we as educators, I think we do a really good job of being the the firewalls uh, gatekeepers, if you will. And so as we start to step into this space and we start to understand it, we we can help our our students and our families help to potentially navigate this space as well too because it is very easy for a young child to be approached and and asked to participate in certain events because again the shoutcasting has made it very easy um, you know the 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 internet has made it very easy so we also have to be mindful of those potentials as well too. So we have to really be educated about what this really is.
0: Yeah, now before the pandemic struck, another aspect of of esports that I found fascinating was the the creation of leagues, Mm -hmm. both within states and within regions of the U.S., but also internationally. It was a real sort of of global um, league uh, situation being formed. Has that been interrupted because of the pandemic, or are those sort of uh, relationships still be being built? Those relationships
1: are still being built. I know Israel, France, Japan um, have uh, they've they've partnered with uh, NASF, uh, Britain, I believe as well. Me personally, again, given the time that we're in, I find myself and my program turning more inward and saying, "Again, what can we? How can we use this?" for our kids like it's great that if we want to compete against others and again our state associations you know the united states has a whole bunch of nonprofit state associations that i think we're networking a lot better now we're starting to see a lot of commonalities and a lot of idea sharing and things like that as we figure out who is who but um i think right now the moment that we are in is is I think a lot of people are starting to look inward and say, how can we use this tool to really engage our kids who aren't necessarily using it or have nothing else right now right. to engage them? But again, that hasn't stopped the work I know of the state associations or the international efforts to kind of uh, grow the competition that, at that level as well.
0: So final question, what do you see, I mean, I, when, I, when I have these conversations, I'm always desperate for the the glass half full uh, yeah. out, out, of, out, of, out of what's going on. What do you see are the best elements of esports um, that could be able to blossom as a result of all of this madness that we've had to go through?
1: I think, well, first off, I, I will say the glass is more than half full. I don't, while I will admit that when COVID hit, and I'm sure a lot of people felt this, and the only way to describe it to, in, my, in my own words, what I would call I was going through was mourning a feeling of mourning, of loss. Again, losing some kids, losing some kids' opportunities to f- complete their seasons and their competitions. Again, what we've been able to do, though, is pivot very quickly. And again, I think we're looking at not just the traditional games that everybody is is so enthralled by at the, at the pro level, but really saying, what can we do game-wise to make sure that we're, we're broadening this out, we're making this bigger, we're giving a little bit of something for everybody. And I think that, that this has really helped us to do that because again, we've realized due to access, issues of equity of access, we know that we have to come at this from a completely different angle right now because when, we lost, when I lost those kids, that was crushing. And, yeah. I don't, and I don't want to feel that sense ever again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, James, I really appreciate your time. As I said before we started recording, I'm, I'm sure you're not that busy at, at all. <laughs> But uh, let me uh, finish up by asking you if people are interested in the subject matter, they know that you have a podcast, give us, give us some details of where they can find more about the work that you're doing.
1: Sure, well, we've always got uh, the Academy of Esports podcast. I do that about once a week. Uh, that includes, it, it is focused specifically on esports and education, and you can use it, listen to it as a series or you can pick an episode out and listen to it by itself. They're, they can be standalone. Also on Thursday nights, we have the Esports Edu chat that used to be a Twitch Twitter chat, and we've just moved it to Twitch this summer. So that now is has grown and, and morphed. So it, we found that the discussions are a little bit uh, richer than they are they were before. Uh, so you can find that uh, eSport, if you look up hashtag Esports Edu, you'll usually find the announcements on Thursday night as to where it will be online. And then also, of course, I would look at an organization like the North America Scholastic Esports Federation and look at the materials that they have online. They've got a lot of great great stuff for you to, to to get your feet wet, if you will, if you're thinking about going down this road.
0: Great. Well, James, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, bye.